0: What's up, Divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and we got some great games to go over. And you can't tell, but I have a big, fat smile on my face because of the Bucks game. And that's actually where, where we are going to start after waivers. Not too much to talk about waiver-wise. You know, as we get deeper into the season, unless some big injuries happen, it gets harder and harder to find great waivers other than rookie breakouts. And, you know, most rookies, like, for example, DeAndre Swift, who had a great week this week, are already owned more than 35%, which is where I draw my mark of people I want to talk about for waivers. So we only got five names here. We're going to hop right into it. Anthony Ferkser, he's only 1% owned. If you need a tight end for, you know, either next week or the week after, maybe, depending on how bad Johnny Smith's ankle injury is, he stepped in and he did really well, as we will talk about when we get to that game. But I would put just a couple dollars on him, two, three dollars out of a hundred dollar budget. Obviously, double it for a two hundred dollar budget. But yeah, about two to three percent is what I would put on Anthony Ferkser if you need a tight end. He did really well. Keelan Cole, he's only owned in 29%. The Jaguars wide receivers are super frustrating to me. But if you need a floor pl- a floor play at wide receiver, he has a super easy schedule coming up other than the bye week. You can throw a dollar or two on Keelan Cole. Travis Fulgham, only 31% owned. Turns out last week was not a fluke. Despite the tough matchup, he still got a whole bunch of targets. He produced well with them. I would put five to ten dollars if you need him, and this is why: because Miles Sanders just got injured, Zach Ertz just got injured, and he's out three to four weeks. We don't know the timetable yet for Miles Sanders, but yes, D. Jackson, Alshon are going to come back, but maybe Fulgham is that number three now. I also watched Greg Ward have like two really bad drops, so I'm starting to think that Fulgham is going to become a legit part of their offense. And, you know, especially with all the injuries, they're going to have to throw more. They're not going to be able to run as much. And there's just going to be a lot of targets to go around. So I think Fulgham's a pretty good wide receiver moving forward. He could be a deep flex play all season. So, you know, if you want to throw 5 to $10, I don't blame you. But you probably won't have to spend that much on him. Tim Patrick for the Broncos, 18% owned. He is the number two wide receiver with Cortland Sutton hurt. He just stringed together, much like Travis Fulgham, two good weeks in a row, and you know he he's actually been getting more targets than Jerry Judy. I don't think that will continue. I do think Jerry Judy will take over that number one role, but that's very encouraging for you know a guy, somebody else like Travis Fulgham that was always under the radar, none of us really ever had our eye on. We never thought he'd be fantasy relevant. Well, he's been playing well, and Drew Lock seems to like him. Brett Ripon liked him as well, so. If multiple quarterbacks are liking the guy, he's probably pretty good, right? So Tim Patrick, if you want to put a couple dollars on him too, he's a pretty good guy to have. And lastly, speaking of the Miles Sanders injury, Boston Scott, he's only 14% owned. I would drop about $5 on Boston Scott. Usually you want to drop a lot more money on a backup running back, but the Miles Sanders injury, at least, you know, the vibe that I'm getting is it's probably not going to be too bad. He's definitely going to miss Thursday Thursday's game, but... You know, after that, they have like 10 days before their next game. So, two weeks from now, I'm not sure if he's going to miss that game. Maybe it's a two, three week injury, probably four weeks at the most. So, I'm not, you know, thinking Boston Scott's going to be relevant for too, too long. Plus, in the first game of the season, one Miles Sanders was gone. Boston Scott and Corey Clement split a lot, and neither of them were great. So, that's why I'm not thinking to put too much on Boston Scott. But a lot of us need running backs at this point in the season, a lot of us have dealt with a lot of injuries. And you know it is what it is. So if you need Boston Scott, go ahead and grab him. Now let's talk about what we learned. We got the Packers versus the Bucks, and oh man, my Bucks showed up, baby. And you know I might—I'm not sure yet. I'm kind of undecided. Undecided, but I might have like a a five-minute segment at the end of the podcast just talking about the Bucks only for you know all my listeners. I know I have a substantial amount of listeners that are Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. So I might talk a little bit about the game in depth, unrelated to fantasy, um, at the end of the podcast. But fantasy-wise, there's a lot to talk about still. First off, the Buccaneers defense showed how showed the world because despite it not being technically a primetime game, because it wasn't, you know, a Sunday night, a Monday or a Thursday game, it was just a four o'clock on Sunday. There was only two games at four o'clock on Sunday, and most people had the Bucks game on their TV. So they basically showed the world it was basically a primetime game how legit the defense is we lost vita vea last or last week for the year and levante david devin white both of them stepped up in the run game tremendously Raheem nunez rochas also has done very good stepping in for vita vea the bucks just also traded for a defensive tackle mcclendon from the jets he has experience in todd bull's system he's probably just you know a depth piece he's a vet 11 years he's been in the NFL never had crazy stats or anything but he's just gonna help the depth at that defensive tackle nose tackle position for the Bucks. and so yeah the Bucks defense that's not a, a defense that you know is you know start everyone against the Bucks defense like it has been for the last three four years other than the last half of last year and so far this year so everyone you know everyone is now able to see that the Bucks defense is legit the Packers were up 10-0 Rodgers hit a double pump in the end zone <laughs> mad disrespect by the way my man when aaron Rodgers, i was so excited to watch this game and i was like you know we got two good quarterbacks whatnot but then when i saw aaron Rodgers do that double pump in the end zone which by the way was super weird he's definitely not practiced that or done that like at all um when he did that i was just like dude uh, f you bro <laughs> like the defense they saw that i'm telling you that's what the turning point was like the defense saw that and they said oh really you're gonna come to tampa and you're gonna do that shit (laughs) and you're up 10-0 all right jamel dean chip on his shoulder all right guess what pick six next drive pick that almost was a pick six got to like the four yard line two in a row and then rojo finished it off so you know and that was it that was it for the packers that was their day was done after that rogers had a 35.4 quarterback rating two interceptions zero touchdowns 160 yards after those first two picks in a row he was completely flushed with the rest of the game Devonte adams this is really good really promising he looked 100 percent healthy every time he was targeted he looked good he didn't look gimpy at all or slow or everything lo- looked normal with Devonte adams after the catch he looked normal everything was good so that's good to know ronald jones because you know sometimes players get rushed back a little too early i think they played it well They played their hand well with Adams. They made sure he was 100% healthy first. Ronald Jones, it's official. You have got to give my man some respect now. Three back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. Also, he is top three in the NFL in rushing yards. Top three in the NFL in yards after contact. I tried to tell y'all. I tried to tell y'all that boy is good. But y'all didn't want to listen. Now, you know, granted, the people that have been listening to me for a while, maybe you all did listen, and I hope you did because it's benefiting all of us in fantasy. But, um, yeah, he's a freaking beast. He's not like, you know, one of the best running backs in the NFL or anything, but he is far better than anyone wanted to give him credit for. Also, for the Dynasty people, Keyshawn Vaughn, he continues to show that the narrative, some, I'm convinced, some random dude started that everyone hopped on of Keyshawn Vaughn being, a good receiving running back I'm using air quotes that was a huge fallacy just like I said it was I was telling you guys I don't know where the narrative of Vaughn being a good receiver came from he was very similar to Rojo in the receiving game in college and like I don't understand why everyone just was like oh Vaughn's gonna be the receiving back he's good good at catching and Rojo's not I told y'all that was a lie and it's clear he had one, uh, he had a pass that he was looking at, go right through his hands, bounce off his helmet, go up in the air, almost get intercepted. And he was gone the next drive. And that's like the third time that he's had a bad drop. Just like Rojo, I'm not saying Rojo's any better, but you know, just be careful with, sometimes things will get out of hand. Sometimes a narrative is put out there by somebody and it gets out of hand. I should be your trusted source for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when it comes to fantasy football. That's my team. And I'm not trying to be like, like I'm, I'm not. I'm sorry for all the Bucks victory laps. I'm not trying to do all the I told you so's and stuff. I'm not too big on that. But I received so much backlash this off season in the Rojo versus Kashan Vaughn debate, guys. It's my team. I know what I'm talking about. The Bucks are my team. You can, you can take it like you know. I'm not always gonna be right on everything. Nobody ever is. But when it comes to the Bucks, usually like eighty percent of what I'm saying is gonna happen, because not only am i a fantasy guy but i read buck stuff all the time i read just as much bucks only info as i do anything else so you know i, I feel like i have a good a good understanding on this team mike evans chris godwin they are not going to get the target shares that they did with Jameis. so we got to temper our expectations tom brady is a point guard he spreads the wealth he's not going to force it to people he's going to get guys like scotty miller involved Tyler Johnson, who we saw have a touchdown involved, Cameron Bray involved, Robert Gronkowski got very much involved, eight targets, that's going to really hurt and hamper the fantasy outputs for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, so we don't want to get you know too like crazy with our view of those two guys. I don't think, maybe Chris Godwin's going to be a back-end wide receiver one, that definitely could be possible, but... Both of them are definitely not going to be top 12, which is how most people had it ranked. And, you know, we just got to accept that. And it's good for the Bucks, so I don't mind it at all. And I don't really have that many Godwin-Evans shares other than, like, Dynasty Leagues and stuff. But, like, from redrafts, I didn't really get much of them at all. Um, so I don't mind it at all in uh, fantasy or in real life because it helps my team. And that's a good way to play football. Now we can move to the Rams. And honestly, yeah, on, on the Packers side of the ball, there wasn't much to take from it. They had a horrible day. The Bucks defense shut them down. Uh, other than Devontae Adams looking healthy, everything was kind of just regular. Robert Tanyan took an uh, injury, but we don't know the severity of it. He might be back next week. If he's not, there's not really anybody stepping in his place that I'm interested in. So, you know, not too much to take out there. Then we got the Rams-Niners game. Cam Akers got one snap. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> It's it's so problematic for me because I want to hold Cam Akers. I really, really want to. I think he's going to take over at some point, like so many rookie running backs do every single year. But the problem is, especially in this year, if you have a small bench, he's killing you. And like I hate to say it, but if you have a small bench and your starting lineup is not stacked and you have to like constantly make star-sit decisions because you don't just have a whole bunch of superstars... You're going to probably have to drop Cam Akers. And, you know, if you're in like an eight bench league or like a super deep, like 14, 16 team league, then okay, hold Cam Akers. But in most leagues, you know, 80 percent of leagues, you probably just got to drop him. And it sucks because I'm telling you, at some point in this season, he is going to be a hot waiver wire pickup. But we don't know how long it's going to take. And it's not worth having him on the bench any longer when you need depth this year more than any other year. Darrell Henderson is the back to own. The entire Rams offense is a problem. Back-to-back bad games. Yes, this was the Niners defense, but they're not fully healthy. And last week, they looked like garbage versus the New York Giants. I said before watching them that they don't look um, as good as their record indicates. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so basically, like last week, I was talking about how if you watch them and you don't look at their record... I was saying you would not think the Rams were four and one. Now they're four and two, right? Yeah. So their offense is not. Not what it what it used to be. Plain and simple. It's not the like great fantasy output like Cooper Cup. Uh he's not somebody I'm starting every week. He's not a every week starter. Robert Woods is not an every week starter. He's you could throw him in your flex every week, but you're gonna get some bad games. Tyler Higby is not nearly that was a huge miss by, by my part. This off season, it seems like you know we had that one awesome three touchdown game, which is cool. But he's not getting a lot of targets. Nobody is really getting a lot of targets except for Woods and Cup. And Woods and Cup, they're not even getting as much targets as we were hoping they would get. So that whole offense is a mess. I don't like anybody there, and it, it's part of the reason why it's easier for me to drop Cam Akers because even if Akers does win over the job, unless he's getting eighty percent of the snaps at the running back position, he's probably not going to be great for fantasy um that offense is just not what we thought it was going to be so i'm not too excited about them moving forward and then on the other side of the ball 49ers kittle and debo did all the work in the receiving game this is what we should expect weekly those are the two guys in a th- offense that does not throw the ball a lot runs the ball most of the time has a great defense usually especially when their defense gets healthier backing them so they don't need to throw the ball and they also have a great run game and they have depth at the running back position they have Mostert. they have Wilson, they have Hasty, they have McKinnon. And I actually, I haven't, I have no idea what Tevin Coleman's status is. I totally forgot about that guy. He might be back in like three, four weeks. I have no idea. Um, but they have a stable there and they're always going to be running the ball. So, Ayuk, he's not going to be a reliable thing for fantasy in regular leagues. You really should just be dropping him. The Mostert ankle injury that came is probably going to be a short, you know, a short, um, sustained injury. He's probably going to recover from it pretty quickly. I'm not too worried about him. Jamichael Hasty and Jerick McKinnon are both in play for next week, but don't get too excited because they're playing the New England Patriots. So I don't think either of them are going to be great smash plays in Mostert's absence. Even if Mostert was playing, I would have been a little weary because of the matchup. Then we got the Jets-Dolphins game. Frank Gore and the Michael P. Ryan are splitting carries and they're splitting targets. So I'm not touching either of them because if they're splitting work in a bad offense that just put up zero points on the Dolphins, which the Dolphins' defense is a lot better than people realize, but they just put up zero points on the Dolphins, it's not a good situation at all for fantasy running backs there. Crowder, Jameson Crowder, he continues to have a great floor in PPR with a decent ceiling, so he's pretty much the only guy I want to own there. But in deeper leagues, I don't mind looking at Rashad Perryman. He finally got involved with eight targets, And it's kind of funny because I realized this mid game, Joe Flacco used to throw the ball to Brashad Perryman back in Baltimore. Baltimore drafted Perryman. Obviously, they had Flacco. Perryman's been in the league for, I think, four or five, I think five years now. Um, So wait, yeah, either five or six years. I don't have it exactly. But yeah, Flacco used to throw the ball to Perryman. And here here we go again. He was. And it's funny because he didn't even have a great connection with Perryman. That was part of the reason that you know, Baltimore obviously let Perryman go because he didn't do much for them at all. But it was also because he can never stay healthy, which he has not done this season until recently. So it's just interesting. It's something I thought I would mention. Obviously, Darnold's going to be back soon, so it doesn't really matter that Flacco has some previous history with Perryman. But Perryman got involved with eight targets. He's probably going to be the wide receiver, too, there and push out all the other guys that have been coming and going. Miles Gaskin continues his great RB2 pace, even without a touchdown. He had more than 15 points in PPR leagues. He is a workhorse and he is in an offense that is better than we expected. So he's going to have some touchdown opportunities. Jordan Howard is no longer there taking away goal line opportunities from him. So I expect Gaskin to be a great RB2 the rest of the season. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised like if he doesn't get injured himself if he finishes inside the top 12. Preston Williams again gets a touchdown but he only had three targets, so I'm not really on the Preston Williams train for some reason somebody is high on him go ahead and trade him away but he he can be on the waiver he could sit on the waiver if he was sitting on the waiver in my leagues I wouldn't I would not pick him up I have no interest in picking him up so there you go that's that's what I got on Preston Williams Devontae Parker he led the team with eight targets he has a tough schedule the rest of the season but he's still a good buy low I don't expect him to be great but he's probably going to be a solid wide receiver too the rest of the season Mike Gasicki disappeared he, It's very concerning that that happened. He, it's not trustworthy at all. And the biggest concern is that Mike Gasicki Mike did not get hurt or anything. There were two other tight ends that got work, and both of them got touchdowns and Gasicki didn't. The fact that that can happen, and he was already not a guy that was getting many targets, is very concerning. Gasicki is not somebody that I would drop or anything because, you know, tight ends are very hard to come by. Just hold them. But I'm definitely not starting him until I see his targets spike. And if not, then maybe later down the line we'll be talking about him as a drop. Ravens-Eagles, Carson Wentz is good. He is good, guys. In case you let the first few games of the season influence you too much because he had a couple bad games in a row when everybody was injured and they're still injured, but now he's getting acclimated to the guys he's working with. If you let that influence you, now you should see Carson Wentz is good. He's not a bum. He carried them. Last week against the Niners, he carried them this week and almost, almost beat the Ravens, which is sick because I was telling you guys, I was kind of afraid to take the Ravens because I didn't think it was a gimme week and clearly it wasn't because they almost lost. All that had to happen was Carson Wentz finish off that two-point conversion at the end of the game with, I think it was like just under a minute left after they made it 28-30 If they just finished that two-point and didn't miss it, all of a sudden you got an overtime game, most likely, if the Ravens couldn't get down the field in time. And who knows who gets the ball first? Because that usually is the person who wins because of the overtime rules, which is also annoying. But Carson Wentz, he's been carrying that team. When Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, and Dallas Goddard come back, Wentz is going to be good. And for that reason, I like him as a buy-low in super flex leagues, in two quarterback leagues if you can because i do think when those guys come back he is locked in top 12 and he doesn't have a bad schedule either travis Fulgham surprised me he had a good day they might have something with this practice practice squatter he was bouncing around he's a rookie bounced around i think three different practice squads on on three teams before he landed with the eagles and now he's doing great 10 targets this week six receptions 75 yards another touchdown and it was against great corners too Miles Sanders, he did get injured, like I said earlier, he's going to miss the Thursday night game, his MRI is scheduled, it's probably not going to be too bad, Zach Ertz, he got hurt too, his ankle is what he hurt, and he's out three to four weeks, which, you know, bumps up Travis Fulgham even more, for the Ravens, not too much to talk about, this is what I expected from their offense, this is what I thought their offense would like look like most of the season, Lamar runs a lot, you split your carries between the three running backs, ruining all three of them for fantasy. And you have a low passing attempt count, making it very hard to trust Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown. Texans Titans. Brandon Cooks is back. He is back. 25. Actually, just above 25% target share. Will Fuller went off too. He had 123 yards and a touchdown. So Brandon Cooks just back-to-back two great games. And I honestly feel like Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller are both top 24 wide receivers the rest of the season if they can stay healthy. Deshaun Watson looked great. The Titans are just an anomaly on offense. I will never understand them. I honestly, like, I will never understand how they are able to continuously keep up this insane efficiency, especially with the players that they're doing it with. Yes, I know they have good players, but Ryan Tannehill is the catalyst or... Maybe you say Derrick Henry's a catalyst. That's not really the word I'm looking for. But Ryan Tannehill is like the leader of that team. And the fact that they are that efficient and, you know, Tannehill's not Patrick Mahomes. And even like the efficiency that the Titans are showing now would be great for Mahomes. So it's it's just insane. I'll never understand it, but they continue to be able to be efficient. So maybe it's just one of those situations where we have to accept that they are able to do what should not be able to be done. And so, you know, as a Titans fan, it's awesome. I'm not a Titans fan. I'm saying, like, if you're a Titans fan, it's awesome. Johnu he got poached by Anthony Firkster, and then he got hurt after. So, Firkster took advantage. He had nine targets, eight receptions, 113 yards, and a touchdown. So, that's why I was saying he's worth a pickup. A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry are both beasts. Not much to talk about there. He ripped off, like, a 94-yarder. And even if you took away that 94-yard carry, he was still above five yards per carry. I was just talking about it on the last podcast how Derrick Henry's efficiency has been so bad this season compared to the other years. And then, of course, of course, just to make me look like an idiot, he has a a huge day this week. And I mean, I thought he was going to have a good day because it was an easy matchup, but obviously I did not expect anything like this. So I guess we'll just have to see. I mean, maybe the only reason he had low yards per carry to this point was because he hasn't had those huge runs at all this season this was his first huge run that he just ripped off so maybe that was what was missing and if he just gets you know one or two of those within the next few games his yards per carry will just be back where they were so maybe that was the only problem but I I honestly believe that he's not gonna average over man I don't even want to say it (laughs) I'm gonna say it but I guess this is just a good thing for Derrick Henry owners because every time I say something about Derrick Henry that's bad, he ends up blowing up. But I don't think Derrick Henry is going to average, you know, six yards per carry again because that's what he averaged last year once Ryan Tannehill took over as the starter. The Titans are the team that, you know, I basically already said this, but they're the team over the last two years, not just this year, I cannot understand, and that is the reason that I think offensive coordinator, not fantasy-related really, but offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, he's a, he's a nice sleeper head coach candidate. He really is. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting calls if the Titans continue what they're doing now and ends up landing a head coaching job next year. Bengals-Colts, Joe Burrow, he was able to bounce back versus a tough defense. They were up 21-0. He just wasn't able to do much after that. Joe Mixon, he had a brief injury. I was super nervous because, like, man, I've already... I have this one team that I put together. It's a, like a super team. It's sick Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Michael Thomas, uh, Travis Kelsey, all four of them together in a 12-teamer. And uh, obviously, my record sucks because Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey have been basically missing the entire season. And um, yeah, I, I saw Mixon go down and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. But he came back in the same game. Uh, he just missed a drive or two. He came back. So thank goodness he's fine. He did have a touchdown poached by Giovanni Bernard, but he looks good um, despite you know being in a tough matchup. It, he he had a pretty good day. AJ Green he led the team in targets. Someone please explain this to me, P- please. Like, ugh, all the receiving games this year or I mean this week were just like what is going on? Like I I don't understand. Like the Bucks receiving core Gronk led the team in targets, and he had, to this point, not been great getting targets. Uh, Keelan Cole was, like, the dude this week in the Jags game, which I think we haven't gone over yet, so we'll get to that, too. And then here, A.J. Green, all of a sudden, is leading the team in targets again, and he was actually good with the targets. It's just like, dude... (laughs) I wish these teams could be more consistent. It's so frustrating. I feel like it's just, I feel like this year, they are more inconsistent than anything. But AJ Green, I guess he's worth a pickup, but I wouldn't be interested in picking him up at all just because of one game. But Higgins and Boyd were also really good. T.Y. Hilton, he is done, guys. He is not somebody I'm putting in my starting lineup ever. Jonathan Taylor, he only got 12 carries in what should have been a smash game. Jonathan Taylor, this was like a such a juicy matchup. So many people were talking about him as DFS. I was talking about him as DFS. And, you know, he just didn't get the work. And it's just frustrating. But he was all right. He showed a good floor. I think he had like 15 points again because he got some receptions too. Marcus Johnson broke out for five receptions and 108 yards for the Colts. But I don't trust anybody in that receiving game. Trey Burton did a bit. And Rivers threw 44 times. So that's obviously going to come down, especially with how good their defense is and having Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Hopefully, you know, he starts rolling as the season goes on. Nobody in this game really for the Colts separated themselves from anyone else. That's part of the reason why I'm not excited for any of these Colts receiving options. Then we got the Bears-Panthers. Once again, are you joking? Are you joking? This is another one. Robbie Anderson has clearly become the number one wide receiver. I finally announced the writing on the wall. And then DJ Moore gets double the targets than compared to Robbie Anderson in this game. <laughs> like, this this week has been the worst NFL week for me, fantasy-wise, any season ever since I started playing fantasy football. This was such a crazy week. But you know what? All I can do is laugh because the Bucks destroyed the Packers, and that's the number one priority for me, is my team over my fantasy teams so despite this being a horrible week for me in fantasy i actually am having a great week because the bucks are on top of the world right now so i'm fine with it honestly thank goodness god was able to give me some win in some category this week but yeah you've got to be kidding me dj Moore, man like now now he shows up and i just don't understand it the, the situation is probably going to be untrustworthy all season between DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. I think both wide receivers are flex-worthy. You just have to be willing with some up and down games. But Robbie Anderson, he is still safer in my mind because he has, you know, he seems, he seems to have a higher target floor than DJ Moore. The quarterback sneak was something that really hurt David Montgomery this week. I thought he was going to have a great game. He still had a good game, but. Nick Foles had a quarterback sneak at the goal line, which poached a touchdown from David Montgomery. He would have had a great day. I think he would have been like at 20 points if he got that touchdown. But he still had a good one. And then Anthony Miller, guys, he's not a thing. The people that have been trying to force Anthony Miller for the last, I think, three years now, they need to quit. It's not going to happen. Darnell Mooney is good. He's a rookie. He looked really good. He won't let Miller be a clear number two target. And... You know, it's just not a great situation there in Chicago for anyone other than Alan Robinson. So, if you've been holding on to your Anthony Miller hopes, I think it's time to just give it up. Falcons-Vikings. Surprise, surprise, the Falcons won. Not really, because if you guys listened to the last podcast, I told you this was a game I was staying away from because I could definitely see the Falcons winning this game. Julio came back, and he went off. He went off. Two touchdowns and more than 100 yards. He was great. Gurley, of course was trash and I don't say of course as if he's been trash for fantasy purposes fantasy points but his efficiency has been trash the whole season and it was again he had 20 carries for 47 yards nothing really unusual for the Atlanta offense because like I said Gurley is not been efficient Julio Jones was good Calvin Ridley was good Russell Gage did okay Hayden Hurst did okay a few targets which is what he's been doing all season Alexander Madison, though, on the other side of the ball, massive letdown. This, he was the most played person in DFS this week, and he was horrible. Not that you know too much of it was on him, but yeah, it was just a huge bust there. Justin Jefferson is balling out, balling out. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 166 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Guys, this wide receiver class is something you got Ceedee lamb you got justin jefferson t higgins lavisca chanel already balling out plus you have jalen rager who's been injured he hasn't even started he hasn't even got going yet judy hasn't gotten going yet and he's definitely going to at some point henry ruggs has been injured he hasn't played too much we're gonna see some more of him soon actually first the Bucks sunday night game next week that's going to be entertaining one And Mims has been hurt, too. He hasn't gotten started. They already have four wide receivers in this class that seem like great hits between Chenault, Higgins, Jefferson, and Lamb. And then you got four more that haven't even gotten started. This will rival last year's class. Last year's class of A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, Marquise Brown, and Debo Samuel. This class might be better, which is crazy. So I just thought that was worth noting. Plus, the wide receiver class coming into this year is... Just as good as the one that just came in. Like, these three years are going to be something for the wide receivers that enter the NFL. It's a great time to need a wide receiver. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan. uh, I tweeted this out with the Spider-Man gif with, like, Spider-Man pointing at himself. Because that's basically what Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan seem to be like. The more and more I think about the two of them, the more and more it seems more accurate that you could say they're the same person. Washington. Versus the New York Giants. Not much to note on this game. Terry McLaurin's a stud. Kyle Allen knows it. He targeted him 12 times. Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick got similar work. They split in both carries and targets. Daniel Jones makes the Trubisky comparison seems more accurate every single week. Darius Slayton got a touchdown. That was about all he did. And still not touching the running backs in New York. Actually, neither New York. The Giants or Jets, I'm not touching running backs on either of those teams, because none of them have the entire workload, and both of them are bad offenses. Lions vs. Jaguars, DeAndre Swift finally had a day, and I'm so happy about it, because despite not having him much in redraft, because I figured he was not going to start off well, maybe he can, you know, be added off waiver wires. I actually, in one of my leagues, dropped Mark Ingram, who I got in a trade because I didn't draft any Ravens running backs in, in redraft, but... um I got Mark Ingram earlier in a trade just as a side piece that I didn't care about. I dropped him for DeAndre Swift right before game started this week. And, oh, man. Man, does that look like a good play. But, yeah, he went off. And he was my RB1 pre-draft, so I'm happy about it. Please feed this man the rest of the season. Detroit, please. He's clearly your best running back in every single metric. Somehow, the Lions in this game sucked against the Jags in the passing game. Kenny Galladay was the only one who did good and he only had six targets for four receptions, but he went for 105 yards. Gardner Minshew, he continues his fantasy consistency, eighteen points in four point per passing leagues. The Jags wide receiver room is straight up frustrating. We don't know when Chark is healthy or not. Keelan Cole randomly gets mad targets one game and then like four targets the next game. LaViska is supremely talented and needs to get more targets and is not getting them. It's just frustrating there. Um, I'm not dropping any of those guys if you have them. It's just kind of like, don't start them if you don't have to. James Robinson, he's not looking great because I, I believe at this point the struggling offense is catching up to him. You know, he was looking great in the beginning, but the Jags offense was not great for Fournette last year. And it's really not going to be... It's basically the same situation, except James Robinson. No, it it is the same situation. James Robinson's like a, a RB2 like Fournette was, or a back-end RB1 like Fournette was, and he's struggling because the offense is not good. And it's always hard for running backs to be good for on bad offenses. Browns-Steelers. Baker looked really bad. I don't know what this man was doing, but he was making some crazy decisions. I was watching that game, and um, like I was watching it live, and he's just throwing some balls that like, dude, what are you doing? Like He's just trying to make stuff when something's not there. Just throw the ball out of bounds. Live to see another play. Don't turn it over. The offense is not conducive to fantasy wide receivers. They're not going to be a team that gives good outputs for Odo Beckham or Jarvis Landry. Chase Claypool, he didn't get much targets despite Deontay Johnson being out. James Washington got the most targets on the team. Chase Claypool still had a good day, though. And with the upcoming tough schedule, plus Deontay Johnson coming back, this actually might be a good time to sell high on Chase Claypool. If anyone sees, you know, a 40-point game, basically, and a 18-point game back-to-back, they might be like, ooh, Chase Claypool wide receiver too. If they think that, give them Chase Claypool. James Conner is a fantasy stud, RB1. The Steelers mean what they say. If he's healthy, he really is their workhorse. And just to go back and touch... On the fact when I was saying um, that Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, they're not going to be good in this offense. Look, I've been saying it all offseason. The Browns ran the ball coming into this year 40, I think 46, 46% of the time they ran the ball. Stefanski came from Minnesota where he ran the ball 51% of the time. So I already was talking about how, especially with Dalvin, uh, Dalvin Cook only in Minnesota, but having Chubb and Kareem Hunt in Cleveland and having just as basically just as good of a defense as Minnesota has um, that the Browns are going to run the ball more than they did last year and they were probably going to be in the high 40s well the Browns are not throwing the ball a lot just like I thought because they're running the ball great and they're actually playing with a lot of leads because they play with leads it further strengthens their run game so you already have Baker not throwing the ball enough to give a lot of targets to Odell or Jarvis plus Baker has not looked great whenever he's like in clutch time situation or he really needs to make a big throw. He makes a bad decision. He's not accurate, which I still will never understand because his accuracy was like his thing coming out of college. His rookie season accuracy was on point and then something happened. I don't know what it is, but something happened clearly and all those things combined for, you know, a tough time and making it very difficult for Oda Beckham or Jarvis to be good in fantasy. And then, you know, some of you are like, oh, dude, What do you mean? Odell Beckham's been great for fantasy. Okay, not really, because if you just look at what he's done, his big plays and what's given him good fantasy days are completely unreliable. A 50-yard run for a touchdown and a 50-yard catch from Jarvis Landry for a touchdown, that's not stuff that you can rely on. Then we got the Broncos-Patriots game, and that will wrap us up, because I'm recording this. It is at, like right now, it's 4 p.m., And I'm on the East Coast, so the Bills game starts in an hour. So I'm recording this before the games start for Monday. So I'll go over the recap on these two games coming up, uh, the Bills game and the Cardinals game on Thursday. So we're just going to wrap up right here with the Broncos-Patriots game. Count this one in the things I did not expect category. This should have been an easy Patriots win. But instead, there's one huge difference on this Patriots team, and that's Cam Newton instead of Tom Brady. This was an easy Patriots win, but guess what? Cam Newton turned the ball over four times. The Patriots held Denver to zero touchdowns, and Denver won the game. That's insane. The Broncos' defense is good. We we know this. The And, you know, I think finally, like, some people are starting to think they're not as good. No, they they are good. They forced some good turnovers. They also held the Patriots' offense to only one touchdown. And man, it is a good thing we went Miami in the survivor pool because I was telling y'all I was between the Patriots and Miami, and I went Miami. And wow, I would have been very upset if we went Patriots. And the funny thing too is twenty five percent of the field went Patriots. So the pool of survivors just got cut down massively from the Broncos winning this game. Luckily, we went Miami, though, so we're still alive. Lindsey, he was good in Gordon's absence despite the tough matchup. Tim Patrick is the wide receiver to own with Judy. We talked about him earlier. And the entire Patriots offense was trash. Not much to take away there. Now let's talk about some by-lows. We got Miles Gaskin. I know he continues to to do good, but if somebody just doesn't trust it, you should trust it. He's a good by-low. Devontae Parker, he's on a pace for 106 targets it's is pretty good especially the type of receiver he is he, he'll usually do a lot on a per target basis so that's not too bad for Parker if you can get him for you know anything less than like a top 20 wide receiver price go for it Carson Wentz in you know single quarterback leagues it's going to be harder for him to be a good buy low because you'd have to hold him on your bench because you're not going to want to start him especially with like Ertz and Sanders out this week on Thursday you're probably not going to want to start Carson, despite it being an easy matchup. So, you know, it's harder in regular leagues, but in quarterback leagues, super flex leagues, whatnot, Carson Wentz is a good buy low Clyde Edwards, or if you just have a deep bench somewhere, Clyde Edwards, I think he's a great buy low right now, because I know there is a lot of people like, which is surprising. And you guys will probably find this surprising, but there is a lot of people that believe Le'Veon Bell is going to be better than Clyde Edwards, that is not going to be the case. That is not going to be the case. Please, trust me. Clyde is the back to own. He will outscore Levy on Bell rest of season. And obviously, Bell can't play in this game. So, you know, Clyde is going to be the only guy this week. But next week in Bell's first game, I do predict Bell to get a lot of work. More than he will the rest of the season on average. And I think that they're going to do that because they want to get Bell confident happy that he came to Kansas City, that they're using him a little bit, you know, show some confidence in him. And I think that's what they're going to do because that's what good coaches do. They want to get the new guys involved, get them happy with the system. It'll make it so much easier in practice and keep them engaged and whatnot. And Le'Veon Bell's been looking for a good situation. He finally got one. So I do think Le'Veon Bell's going to get more work, Maybe, maybe more work, but he will get a lot of work in that first game or two when he is splitting with Clyde and maybe he'll poach a touchdown but it's not going to continue the rest of the season because Clyde is way better than Le'Veon Bell at this point in his career okay you heard it here first maybe not first but you heard it here Tyler Boyd he has you know no more tough matchups pretty much the rest of the season he just had two tough matchups back to back in the Ravens Colts now he does not so I think he's a pretty good buy low too And then we got two people that sell high, and I already told you guys about Chase Claypool. Guess what the other one is? He's the opposite of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being a buy low. Sell high, Le'Veon Bell. If you find those people that think Le'Veon Bell is the dude in Kansas City, give them Le'Veon Bell. Whatever you get back for, it, if that's how they think about Le'Veon Bell, is going to be worth it. Now we'll talk about a few things where I was right, where I was wrong. Some victory laps. Justin Jefferson was somebody that I told you guys to start. He was amazing, almost 40 points. A.J. Brown was somebody I told you guys to start for DFS. Obviously, you start him in regular weeks. Um, I'm not giving, like, dumb advice, like, obviously. But A.J. Brown in DFS was somebody I was looking at. He had two touchdowns. Jerry Judy as a sit, he did not do good at all versus the Patriots. They locked in on him. Ronald Jones, he is great, and I told you guys all offseason about how good he is, and he's so much better than... You know, his 22-carry rookie season that everyone overreacted to. 22 carries on a season. Everyone just wrote on the wall, Rojo sucks. Guys, that's basically an equivalent to one game. Jonathan Taylor, if he had one game in the first game of the season, y'all weren't writing him off. If Clyde had a, one bad game first game of the season, you guys weren't writing him off. That's basically what everyone did to Rojo. And I was trying to tell you guys about it, but, you know, that that's a victory lap there for me. And then Devonta Freeman... And pretty much, you know, all the Newark running backs I said sit, but Devonta Freeman was the one that people were actually starting, and I told you guys to sit him, he didn't have a good day at all. Now let's talk about some defeat duds, some places I was wrong, because, like I said, I keep it transparent. Alexander Madison, I told you guys he was a great start, he, for some reason, was a flop this week. Laviska, I thought he was a great start because DJ Chark's been dealing with injury, well guess what, DJ Chark got either 12 or 14 targets, ridiculous and he's already not like a high-target type of receiver in the first place, so that's just even more ridiculous. And then Keelan Cole got more targets than LaVisca Chanel. Give me a break. Um, But yeah, LaVisca Chanel, I thought he was going to be a great play this week, and he was not. DJ Moore, I said sit him, and of course, this is the week that he gets 11 targets. Then Carson Wentz has a sit. It was a tough matchup, but he rose above, and that's what makes me confident moving forward. Now let's talk about the survivor picks. So far, and I'm really going to get, because now we're getting into like, we're getting late and deep into the season. We're all still alive right now. If you've been following me pick by pick, so far we have used the Seahawks, Chargers, Colts, Rams, Cardinals, and this week we just used the Dolphins. Over 50% of the field took Dolphins this week. So it helped us a little bit, but not really, because everyone got that pick out the way. But it's fine, because I'll, you know 25% of the people got the Patriots pick wrong. So the field definitely got cut down a lot this week. And I'm going to give you guys a big, deep analysis on Thursday because, you know, I, I was looking at the rest of the season for the Jets because maybe the Jets are so bad that they're going to go in 16. I still don't think so. I still think they'll win a game or two. But because we have to remember, Donald hasn't played the last two weeks and he's a significant upgrade, in my opinion, from Joe Flacco. But and they also have Mims coming back soon and Perryman's finally getting involved. So they'll have a few options to do something. You know, Perryman could break a, a long touchdown pass or two Denzel Mims could break a long touchdown pass or two their offense is going to be a little bit more dynamic near in the near future so I still think they'll be able to win a game or two but I was looking at you know if you just play against the Jets how many times would we have to make a different pick that you know we don't have available to us and there's like four weeks so we'll talk about that stuff on Thursday if you guys have been following me in the survivor pool but yeah, and if you haven't, get in on this next year because I'm telling you, Survivor is so fun. And you have it available to you on DF, uh, on DraftKings, on Yahoo, on FanDuel. So that's fun. And yeah, with that, I mean, that's basically what I got for you guys today. We got the waiver pickups. Remember, the guys to pick up this week are Anthony Ferkser, Keelan Cole, Travis Fulgham, Tim Patrick. That's Tim, then Patrick. And Boston Scott because of the Miles Sanders injury, which you will probably know more about than me because as of recording right now, his MRI has not been released. Um, I don't even know if it happened yet. But that's what we got. Hope you guys have a good week. Hopefully we get some good games here Monday night. Obviously, you will already know if they were good games or not. Hopefully no injuries come into play and we can have a a clean week to finish and... Looking forward to talking to you guys on Thursday, Thursday morning before the Eagles, I believe, Giants game. And with that said, I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Remember, leave me a rating or a review if you enjoy the show, which I think you do because you listened up to this point. So help me out. Help out your boy. Trying to grow the fan base over here or the followers or whatever you want to say. The deep dive team. And that's it. Have a good weekend, guys. Peace. Or have a good week. Wow great one. Great way to end it, Brandon. Have a good week, guys. (laughs) Peace.